Welcome to the EIQ Nutrition Podcast. The aim of EIQ Nutrition is to help coaches support their clients in the best way that they can. What makes the EIQ course different is that it's practical and applied rather than just theory-based. This is a recording from our weekly Q&A sessions in the EIQ group and all questions are from the students and the graduates. If you want to support your clients in the best way possible and be the best coach you can be, head to eiqnutrition.com for a ton of free resources and to sign up for the next intake of the course. Hello, welcome to the EIQ Live. Welcome to Lorraine Kelly Live. Every time. I know, but it's just, it's just great. It just makes me feel like I'm at home. Aye, aye. She's from Dundee. No, she's not. Lorraine Kelly. Remember, I listened to a podcast with her recently. She is. She no. loves it. She's from some, she's from somewhere near Glasgow, and then she is just the dean or whatever of Dundee or like the. Nah, her because her kid goes to school here, or went to school with my mate. I mean, they're now adults, but <laughs> yeah, they went. Well, I'm sure her child went to Dundee High. Well, I'm about to Google it. Where is Lorraine Kelly from? Because everyone needs to know this. It's top top EIQ question yeah but she's from Gorbals Glasgow yeah but she shouldn't live there oh yeah I know that oh right now you know that <laughs> well I knew that so listen I know her birthplace more than I know where she just happens to reside okay I'm a true fan okay sorry um how are you do you have anything to share I'm really tired like to the point that you know sometimes when you blink you're like oh that's like a little nap mm. that's where I am I didn't sleep well last night you know well that's upsetting that's very upsetting I also we were speaking about this yesterday weren't we like it always takes you longer than you think to come down from events to you think oh just have a good night's sleep and a day of rest but actually it's like three days later and it's still tired yeah I'm actually feeling pretty refreshed after decongesting my brain got bought a facial steamer it's a really exciting time I feel like I'm like um, the average person would benefit from a facial steamer probably not I also think it's bringing out some spots so you don't really want to be that to be happening I thought I'd done I was done on those days um I don't think so I don't think it really does anything other than decongest you if you're congested um amazing number of replies to my story asking me if it does work for decongestion I'm like well I'm not just sticking my head in a what looks like a blender for shits and giggles like I there is actually a reason but yeah I feel very decongested oh good I'm really glad no I feel like my productivity my taste everything is going to just exponentially increase now it's an exciting time those of you who haven't kept up to date with mm. his nose it's a very serious condition I have a severely I've been getting to be fair I've been getting headaches and nosebleeds and throat pain for about probably too long and then at level up it was like last week it was like every day and so then I went finally went to the doctors and they told me I had a severely deviated septum and it was so inflamed up there he was shocked and sinusitis and an infection so I've been given all the drugs and I have to stick my head in a bowl of steam for half an hour every day half an hour it's a long time from it I know you are the lucky one you do a podcast from it every morning 
Because you know, you can't rest. Like you have to be doing something productive all the time. True, but I put eucalyptus oil on it and I try and do my breath work, but it burns a bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's intense. Not that relaxing. Yeah, so everyone get ready because my clarity is just... Is it now? I'm a bit jealous. Like I know you were previously like on a lower level and now you're coming up to normal, but yeah, I feel like I could do with that. No, maybe you just need a good night's sleep. Might I actually might be that, yeah. I think it might be that. I also have got those. Sorry. Um oh, I've so I've just opened Facebook to um go on to the questions. You know, when you see someone that you think you someone that's not a friend but someone's commented on it and it's some public drama this is intense you know when you just think put in who still put stuff on facebook i don't know but here i saw something yesterday from i'm not even gonna say because it's like a girl i went on one date with and it was like way overshare i just think there's something going on if you think that you should put that on a I know. Read the room. I have a very strange taste in uh, people that I date. Well. Well, we'll never know. Definitely not, no. (laughs) Okay, let me see where the last one's finished off. We did Sasha's question last week. Did you know I read a study today that that showed that um, the groups that took creatine lost more body fat? Just one more reason to take creatine, guys. Interesting. So how did they measure it? Um, Body composition. So I think DEXA. So my question with this would be, only because I remember this when I did it myself, was it just that actually their muscles were fuller in the DEXA scan because they were retaining more water within their muscle? And so on a DEXA scan, it looked like they had relatively more muscle and relatively less fat. I feel like... Potentially, um, but they didn't actually say that in the mechanistically why they thought it was. So they did say that they thought it might have been, so this was in older adults, that the extent to which creatine allowed them to build more muscle had some kind of impact on their resting metabolic rate interesting very small but like it was only so they only lost 0.5 kilograms more fat and it wasn't statistically significant so it is a small difference right Mm -hmm. but like a pound ish more fat you'd be like yeah and all the benefits of creatine and then the other one was a little bit more like well sciencey I guess and it was talking about how there are like certain aspects of adipocyte and fat tissue remodeling or metabolism that is impacted by the presence of creatine interesting also although again like with that I'm like oh yeah you can go into all of that but it's still energy balance like you know so is something happening that means that uncoupling proteins or something are producing more heat in fat tissue or brown fat or muscle or something that actually again would impact resting metabolic rate or energy expenditure because I mean if it changes something like there has to be a reason that it's expending more energy somehow Mm. yeah or whether it's the maintenance of muscle 
that would have been lost. I guess that would be exacerbated in older people anyway. Oh, were they older? Yeah, it's all, it was all in older people. Yeah, I wonder if the effect is more magnified because they are older and the differences are probably bigger. Mm. Interesting, though. Very interesting. And that females need more creatine than men. What's the reason for that? Um, so I'm going to go into this more so I can explain it properly. But essentially, the crux of it is it's stored slightly differently. And women have like a lower capacity to store creatine but if you supplement you can store more of it um and it seemed to be especially on like a brain level and when they were looking at the dosages it's like you get the performance enhancing like in relation to muscle benefit from slightly less creatine but if you want to have the cognitive benefit you need to supplement slightly more interesting agree I'm excited to see the lecture. Mm, yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, Annie's question. Howdy. One, I have a client in a larger body who fears going out and walking in somewhere because she always wears a jacket to leave the house and now it's too hot. We've not worked together for long, but have focused a lot on body appreciation. But based on some of the things she said, I feel there's a lot of self-stigma. How would you approach supporting your client with that beyond education around internalised weight stigma? I'll say what Anna always says when she's talking, like we get questions about this, about like people wearing shorts and stuff all the time. And and I think exposure is helpful on a really, maybe we talked about this a little bit, but exposure, but on a really gentle level of like, okay, well, she always wears a jacket. Can she wear a jumper? And then can she wear like one of those long sleeved things, t-shirt, long sleeve t-shirt things, what they called. Um, and 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 slowly like bring it down. And then like someone was saying, was someone not saying at the weekend that maybe it was me talking about going around the house in something that was less clothing, shorts. I can't remember. Um the weekend was, was saying something. It might have been me. <laughs> bit of a blur but going around the house in items of clothing that you feel uncomfortable with outside just like and like doing your cleaning or whatever so you get comfortable in that I think honestly I think some like gentle exposure to this is really helpful and if it's something that causes like a severe response to like exposure then therapy but also like doing something that's like again soothing can she listen to her favorite music when she's doing it or like a, a podcast that always makes her laugh when she's doing it or can she focus on having mindful moments when she's doing it so she's like doing a bit of noting like noting meditation or whatever I've done a walking meditation on my podcast you can give her that um that type of thing so that she's focused on other things because the idea is that she's getting out of her own head right and focusing on the circumstances around her and if she's re reluctant, which she will be, then just go as slow as possible. But say, look, realistically, right now you've got the evidence for whatever reason that you can't do this. But you need, like, it's like anything, right? You need to give yourself the evidence that you can. Yeah, I didn't have anything to add. Okay, second question. How to support clients in very challenging environments at home when boundary setting is lost on the person they're trying to deal with? For context, she looks after her elderly dad who fat shames her constantly. 
I think this comes down to like, and this is quite harsh, but like setting your own boundaries. Like, are you going to allow yourself to always be triggered by external events that you have no control over? Because they probably to an extent, now this is an extreme version of like you being in the house with a parent who has fat shamed you. But even as you just walk through life, like, I mean, calories on menus might be an example. Like the idea really shouldn't be, we need to hide that away from people in case they see it and they're triggered by it. It should be, we need to build those people up so that they can see the energy density of food and it not mean that they spiral or have negative connotations with that. Like you have to kind of work on yourself first. That's not to say that you'll never feel bad or like quote unquote triggered in a certain way or have negative emotions about the way that someone responds to you. But I think if we can reframe that as like a bit of a, that's where I need to do work. Like, why do I care so much about what my dad thinks about me when I know he's a fat shamer, when I know I don't agree with what he's saying, when I know all these things, of course, there's still the feeling there, but instead of it like ruminating for a week or for the full day and you feeling that way, you can kind of look at it, observe it and be like, that has made me feel that way. Maybe I'll write about it for a minute. Maybe I'll voice note my coach about it. Maybe I'll like offload it in some way. And then I'm going to move the fuck on because life is too short to be like constantly in that headspace I totally totally agree um because there are some people that either it's not worth setting a boundary with them or like you've tried and 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 you can't get out of that situation you can't just leave the house maybe like if you're caring for someone you can't just get up and leave if they need you there and so it's coming down to like okay well acceptance of what I can't control and focus on what I can you can't necessarily control what someone else says beyond like boundary setting and etc so but you can control your response to that like exactly what you said I think that's so important um what was I gonna say on that I don't think I have a huge amount to say on it um there was something else, but it's gone from my head. Clearly, my brain is still <laughs> not quite there. Um, I don't know. One of my clients um, who I've worked with for quite a few years, actually, she is um, a little bit younger and she's her partner. Like Culturally, they come from a slightly different background and there it's very normalized to kind of weight shame and not just like fat shame, but like any size body that's not super, super lean um, and I comment on women's bodies all the time. And and for us, I say us because she's obviously the one doing the work, but we've been talking about it for a few years now to get to a point where her partner will still comment, but not maliciously. And it wasn't even and has now got to the point where it just comments on it without making a judgment and not even realizing that that's still actually unhelpful. Um, but it's taken years to get to this point. And it's like, okay, well, I'll set the next boundary and I'll try again. And sometimes people think, well, I'll just set a boundary and then that will be it. But sometimes it's sometimes it doesn't work. And sometimes it does take a really long time. And then, and I mean, realistically, she can still get up and leave and walk out. But I think sometimes when you are like that, it's really like you're still giving them the power in some way. And actually, sometimes the most empowering thing is to say, well, actually, I have the power in how I choose to respond to the situation. And yes, that could be leaving the room. But it could also be, okay. The one thing I was going to say was, if it's a dad and a daughter, there is more of a complex relationship there in the sense of we know that often, you know, if that's our main parental male figure in our lives and it's all, and that's been a case of, you know, weight stigma since she was 15 years old or something, 
the impact that that might have or the difficulty might be magnified as an adult between a, a dad and a daughter or any sort of like parental figure right and a child but and I think sometimes that can make it trickier but it doesn't change any of this stuff but if it's a really difficult you know relationship between the two of them then again therapy might be useful to kind of overcome that and I think you see this a lot with disordered eating a lot of um struggles come from like this inability to feel like you've ever like you've pleased your parent in some way or something that a parent said when you were 15 and stuck with you forever and they they don't apologize and you don't get like so you, you can't forgive them so you're constantly harboring this resentment and, you're, and it comes out in your food there's so many more things like that's way beyond our scope but it is interesting like that dynamic is if it's this one small thing then maybe they can work on that but if it's like okay well if that's a relationship that needs work then that's a, that's a whole other thing entirely yeah I also think like on a really simple level you know we talk about this with like bullies at school it's like just ignore them right and kind of what you're saying if, if you're like no my boundary is you don't ever talk about my body and you like storm out the room like that's a response like that's like a when someone flips when someone's bullied them or teased them or something Whereas if you can either calmly say it or you just ignore it, right? Like you kind of train people out of it. Of like, whenever you comment on that stuff, like you just kind of roll your eyes and ignore it. Like people start to feel awkward about saying it and then they stop saying it. Like that's how I've trained my mum. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, cool story. Nobody cares. Yeah. And then you get annoyed if you do rise to it. That's one time. Like I know if I rise to something, I'm like, oh, damn it. I should have just ignored it. But you have to train yourself. And you still balls up. Okay. Question three. Tips for days when pausing feels really, in capital letters, hard. For example, when you feel an urge to eat for the sake of it, slash cravings. Pep um, talk. What? You did a little pep talk. <laughs> like, because you do get these days, right? Or you get these weeks or at least a couple of days, like maybe before your period or something where you're like, I know this is going to be tough or you've identified a certain time of day, like, Hey, on a Thursday, I've got this really long day. And then I end up at the end of the day, having not prepped dinner and just eating crap. Right. So you can kind of foresee these things coming. And most of the time you can, right. Like now and again, you might get caught out, but most of the time you can be like, right. Yeah. Well, my period's due. So maybe it is going to be harder to diet this week or that day's coming up or I'm going to be traveling a lot that day so I know that's a bit of like a like red flag for me or it's going to be a harder period of time so then you plan ahead for it so that you're not making those decisions in the moment that's what I would suggest I think it is always going to be harder for periods of time and I think even with the planning obviously like the pausing and the actually following through with it is harder and that's where I do think like a little bit of a pep talk is is useful of like do you know what people don't get results from their easy days they get results from the days where they do want to overeat but they don't like it's it's easy to do it for a couple of days when you're feeling great when the sun is shining when you're not that hungry anyway but it's the days where like you've got PMS it's pouring with rain outside blah 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 like you've had an argument with someone and there's comfort food there those are the days that get you results totally agree and I would say also like when you're saying about plan ahead I think something that my clients like to do is just have things like when you plan ahead like yes with meals and stuff that you've like so you've got healthy meals there quote unquote but also having things like 
protein bars or whatever so that like having a protein bar before you have your dinner is not the end of the world if you're really craving something sweet try and have your main meal first and if you're obviously and if you still have want something have an alternative snacks that genuinely taste delicious and are not like oh well I've prepped my stir fry or chicken rice or whatever it is like realistically that will help in terms of being more mindful of your snacks later but it's not going to satisfy you so like I do think having a bank of stuff that is easy to yeah that's exactly it what's it called Matt was it macro top like for macro toppers is that what it was it was something was it macro box or was it it was something like that yeah god dark times um but yeah things like protein bars like grapes that type of thing that's just like can they're a bit more delicious but then the other thing is like if or oh, when you used to eat grapes out of my belly button oh good times now i just eat them out of the box it's not as fun it's not the same so okay. um the other thing is like if it's pot it po- pausing is hard and obviously that's the hardest part to then think about what you want to do next but when you're thinking of like a pet talk there's there'll be one question that resonates with every person that really impacts them mine is always how do I want to feel in the morning like that really genuinely does impact me but some of my clients might be different it's like what will my future self thank me for or like what do I want to say to Amelia when I check in with her on Sunday or whatever it is everyone's got something slightly different mine is always like that morning one um but yeah. <laughs> exactly sometimes they say that what would you mean you do I'm like well, I do it with Catherine Ryan what did Catherine Ryan say keeps me on the straight and narrow um in one aspect of my life anyway and then um and then I would also say like distraction sometimes we think oh just surf the urge just notice the urge and watch it go by and be all mindful and actually when the cravings are really bad it's like distract yourself go for a walk do something else actively do something that like requires effort rather than just saying oh I noticed the urge but I can just sit with it and just be that's a really hard thing to do especially like during PMS or something especially if you if it's PMS and you've got loads of emotions you definitely don't want to be doing that that's why monks um are men men have feelings too Emma <laughs> what <laughs> come on what's that like what study do you have to back that up <laughs> okay um annie's fourth question my brain is dancing today lol lucky you what are your thoughts on self-sabotage have either of you found more helpful ways of framing it and approaching it with clients was thinking today about coming at it from the perspective of it being self-protection instead just interested in hearing your thoughts around it very general i know i actually wrote a podcast and recorded a podcast on this today before i even read this question and it will be monday's podcast and it's 10 reasons why you might self-sabotage and it includes um self-protection in there so listen to my podcast on monday annie oh there you go um i do think the self-protection thing is helpful i don't love to just call it self-protection from the get-go because it doesn't people don't understand that people relate to self-sabotage right so i don't think we should wipe it from our vocabulary but sometimes it is like self-protection of maybe it's like the shifting like you're losing something and tackling like the benefits of staying where you are is really helpful or recognizing the benefits of where you are can be helpful often we're so focused on like what's the benefits of getting to the next place and we forget to grieve or be prepared for the stuff we're going to lose when we change and that's so that's a helpful conversation to have um 
sometimes it's self-protection because if it's fat loss and it's overeating overeating is serving a purpose for you and so you're kind of protecting yourself in that way um but sometimes it's instant gratification and it's not self-sabotage sometimes it is just the want for the chocolate now or the pizza now is greater than your want for fat loss in that moment and so I think it's kind of a spectrum I don't we cling to what is the nicest narrative right and and for some people a nicer narrative is oh it's because you know I'm scared of failure I'm scared of success and I have low self-worth and for a lot of people that's genuinely true right um and I talk about this on my podcast but for other people it's nicer to think that than it is to just think do you know what I can't really be arsed and I say that as someone who generally can't be arsed and like I eat healthy most of the time but also I will eat quote-unquote ultra processed foods a lot all of these things right so it's not a judgment by any means but I do think we sometimes find the narrative that we want right oh yeah I would say that the vast majority of my clients when they say it's self-sabotage it's actually just they're bored of dieting or they're impatient or if they're like oh no I always get to this point of the diet and then I self-sabotage you also you also have to think about what's happening from a physiological standpoint as well so like also have you been dieting for eight weeks by this point or x amount of weeks or is it always like the week before your period that you self-sabotage and maybe it's more to do with cravings or do you tend to be tired when you self-sabotage or is it just that you've lost a certain amount of fat and this tends to happen it's like oh, whenever I only have, I don't know, five pounds of fat left to lose, I just self-sabotage. Now, it might be genuine self-sabotage and there's a reason that you don't want to hit that goal because you've promised yourself you'll do something. But usually it's that the last bit of fat's the hardest to lose. Your weight loss slows, you get bored, you get demotivated, hunger levels have gone up and it's harder to keep going because of all of those things. And that's why you end up overeating and it's not really anything to do with like an underlying not wanting to succeed Mm. Mm. agree Sophie's question hey how do you begin to help a client overcome food guilt I know it comes down to not categorizing foods as good and bad but how do you actually help a client to stop viewing food in this way I think a lot of it's to do with how you speak and how you um, communicate your message to in terms of marketing, but to them and how you give feedback. So I celebrate if someone eats a pizza and then, you know, doesn't mindlessly eat after it. I'll say like that is like that is a, genuinely that is a huge win. I was speaking to a client this morning who who struggled with this a lot when she started and had come from a competing background and was saying, you know, she um, now has a kindred every night. And to me. Like, that's amazing and I, and I genuinely mean that and, and what a great would, choice no I was thinking that when she mentioned it, I thought gosh I've not had a wee, wee what, so does she have like a little toys all lined up next to her bed I don't even think about asking her that but it's a great question well, I assume so sometimes the toys aren't very good I bought Jordan one the other day no it's like an avatar horse thing with like three heads and it's not great as opposed to the other excellent ones that you often do get well, yeah, sometimes you get a little princess in them and then you can put little stickers on their face. <laughs> but yeah, you, you have to be careful. Okay, well, I didn't know that. 
but then that's, that's the thing right you still like that if that if, if emma was having a conversation with a client right now and it's like oh yeah I've, you know i've had my kinder egg and stayed like maybe it was your client and like they stayed within their macros and they had that you'd be like oh did you get a toy great and we move on like and it's make it's normalizing that that is normal normalizing so, it how many calories are in a kinder egg because there's nine and I say that because we just had the conversation this morning. Um, yeah, because I was thinking it's so on 110, it says, but yeah, maybe. Um, it's so thin, isn't it? Mm, oh, it's so great. That's white chocolate. Is that because it's got like the? Is it just white chocolate and milk chocolate? I don't know. Can it taste like milky? Oh, so good. Um, uh, Emily says I use the yellow plastic innards innards what a great word of the egg as a tablet box they're so handy for my meds genius I a little kid got a hold of that oh, <laughs> god dark times yeah. um, i always thought they were quite dangerous because they're quite hard to i've noticed they've slightly changed the plastic of the egg right they used to be really hard to open so you'd have to like put it in your mouth to but and then that kind of like shoots out I had one stuck in my mouth before. It's terrifying because imagine it shot back to the back of your throat. You're gone now. Shona's just saying, I eat a Kinder Egg like the come dine with me. I don't know what that word says. Civ man? Civ man? Maybe man? I'm not sure. Oh, whisk? Whisk man? What? Oh my God, Shah's saying that's why they're illegal in the US. Because of the, they must like people must oh. choke. Oh, that's what they call. That's what they make illegal: Kinder Egg, but not guns. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh wow, yeah. I mean, that is a good point. It's a great fact, though. Anyway, Kinder Egg's obviously great. I yeah. don't know what Shona means by the whisk man. Do you? The whisk man not come down with me. No, I only know the the man who speaks. You've but... been on come down with me. Come on. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry first date oh, uh, that tv program in it in it um yeah so i think it's just about your it's your messaging and when i start first started like when way way back and i definitely went too far this way like i was one of those people that was like oh yeah just eat pizza and do all these things i was definitely that person when i first started um but i do think you, as much as you don't want to share what I eat in a day and stuff I do still think it's important to share like salads that you eat or smoothies that you have but then maybe a pizza that you have like I don't mean every day but just like I'll still get people saying to me like I had fries on my story the other day and like oh my god and I was like what and he was like oh it's so good I love fries it's so it's nice eating them and it's still and I'm like oh my god how how many years have I been saying this and and it's in the also get someone being like can I eat an egg sandwich no it was they said they said what's better to put in my sandwich this or this and it was a picture of an egg mayonnaise or butter I think I was like they're very different things babe egg mayonnaise mm. I'm not really okay with it no what do you make it yourself I haven't had it in a long time I, I quite like a wee store-bought sarnie of egg and crisps See, that I could eat, but you know when it comes in a little tub of just, like, just pure egg mayonnaise? I know you're meant to put it on a sandwich, but, like... <laughs> just spit it out of the tub. <laughs> just give it to Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, what is it? Is it boiled eggs chopped up? 
<laughs> and then like with with a lot of mayo or yeah a scrambled egg cold with mayo oh puke no it's boiled eggs Sorry, why is a cold scrambled egg not okay, but a boiled egg is fine? It's a great question, but there's what no about food. a cold fried egg? Nah, because that's runny. No, that's okay. Ugh, that makes me feel sick. Both of those make me feel sick. I feel like with scrambled egg, there's butter and stuff in it too. So would that not like congeal? Nah. Mm, yeah, maybe that's true. That's uncomfortable. What's a more uncomfortable is the fact that you've never made egg minis in your life. <laughs> No, never think about doing that. I love it when I go hiking. Oh, yeggs aren't and then we PB and J. Oh, oh, Kerry's just saying boiled egg, mayo, chives, oofed. Chives, gosh, Christian's yeah. well, Chives, although have you just got um cress wrong? <laughs> like, oh, it's green. <laughs> Don't know. Maybe coriander in there. No, no, no. Okay next question i hope you're both well thank you so much for the weekend it was fabulous christ i don't know if anyone else gets this i feel hungover for days without being hungover information and connection overload have you heard us speaking today (laughs) (laughs) okay four questions ready yes one how to support a client who acts upon every male comment whether good or bad in a way that is overly restrictive we've practiced parking the thought and journaling about it in the evening which is still a practice followed however in the moment strategies before we get to the journal mentioned deep breathing to bring mindfulness hasn't helped this time it tends to be restriction with males as an example a lot of validation comes from the male gaze comments any support for in the moment to bring awareness for context a male mentioned something nice which led to her skipping meals to seek more validation which um, she did journal later in the evening and the following day was wholesome and true to values. Well, it sounds like you're doing some great things. This is like patriarchy in action, right? Like this is really, this is some sort of condition of worth that she's developed probably as a teenager, right? I mean, who hasn't around male gaze? And some people internalize that more than others. And it's probably because of, you know, the relationship she had when she was a kid, right? That they were much more... Um, they were very impactful and they were very commentary focused around around the way that she looked or potentially she had maybe like issues around um, like looking for attention didn't feel that she had enough attention from like the male parental role model in her life and so that's part of her way of trying to to get that um I think this comes up a lot is like almost the opposite like the people I see that struggle with this the most are really good looking people because all they look for is like the validation of that. Whereas like, I was never good looking growing up. Thus, I've never had. Yeah. Well, angel once you got past your boy face. Well, exactly. Right. So like most of my, like that phase just looked like a little boy. So I didn't get like male gaze. Not that I'm looking for that now. But I noticed that in other people, and whether it's male or not, it's like, they're always looking for the comment on the, the way that they look because they've always been oh my god she looks so beautiful or the beautiful girl or the good looking girl or like the best looking girl in our class or blah 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 and then when you don't get that kind of recognition like when someone doesn't comment on the way that you look the first thing that they say you think oh I must not look good at the moment and when you're used to that kind of compliment I think that you always look for it whereas when you've never had it you're like oh I need to actually have some kind of personality or like 
have mm. something interesting to say. The thing we're but ugly and can create personalities. Honestly, it? I think being ugly growing up forces yeah. you into a personality. I agree, but it took me longer. Like it took me quite a long time to to think. I think like I was ugly and had no personality for a long time. I didn't get the smart babe. Uh, had the smart gave me over didn't it. <laughs> Um, I think I think it's less maybe in the moment stuff and more and I don't know you want in the moment stuff but it's more about her developing her self-worth if you google and I've done this because obviously we get a lot of questions about developing self-worth and so I've googled it to see what people get when they google it's like tips to develop self-worth and they're so crap it's like like find like some of it's like you know find what you're good at celebrate your win hobby yeah it's all stuff like that journal um know that you are enough as you are nobody oh, really tangible stuff. yeah just know just know and then you're done and then that's it it's a really interesting one because I because I was always like you know aside from therapy obviously and and developing that like self-awareness and I think helping people and the altruistic stuff can be really helpful and and so I wonder if like you could incorporate that in some way of saying okay so a lot of this might like it's not for you to say you know you've got low self-worth or anything like that but it can be like okay well let's develop like focus on you feeling worthy outside of this rather than like I think the in the, the moment stuff is great that you've done in terms of breathing and maybe having a little bit of a I don't love the word affirmation but it is an affirmation of in the moment of like I'm worthy as I am or you know my opinion matters most um or whatever that whatever may resonate with her that might be quite helpful when she does her ground and breaths um and then again you can come back to your values it sounds like you've done that but thinking about her value in the moment is helpful or her values in the moment but then maybe day to day thinking about okay well like where do you where do you find your self-worth like and you don't want to say okay well I do find it in my work and I find it in all these things my body whatever but maybe you could incorporate things like this is why I think one of the reasons why act like again I said this at level up but why activists or people who who are activist in nature whatever the word is I'm looking for practice activism they often have like um, higher self-worth and higher self-esteem and and better body image more positive body image because they're fighting for something that that matters um and it's quite empowering and helping other people there's such a thing as helpers high like we do get physiological responses from that so I just wonder if you could cultivate some of that in your work in some way shape or form and it might just be a conversation right it's not like you saying you must you know go and serve food at a homeless shelter once a week it's not like that but it's more just about saying maybe you could look at your feed and, and start following more feminist accounts or you know something like that just have conversations about it give more compliments I, I actually think that's probably hit the nail on the head like I was when you were talking I was like that's where I get all my self-worth is like what I can do for others that makes me feel good makes me feel like I've had an impact like I've got some kind of purpose like I've left some people today better than had they not been in contact with me that day or like better than I found them even if that's tiny even if it's like you smiled at someone in a coffee shop and like made them smile as well or like you bought someone else a coffee or you picked something up for someone like it could be small things but if you can think in your day like I'm going to try and do three things for someone else even if it's tiny and then you notice those things you're like wow because like I mean that's essentially what self-worth is right like because I am alive today some other people's lives were better because of it and I think it takes off the pressure it's kind of what I was talking about at the start of my talk on the weekend of like this isn't about you it's about what you can do for other people and that really takes off the pressure 
and more broadly like I would say that's kind of what your life is about like if you want purpose then it's how you can impact other people and leave them more positively than when you found them I agree whilst also not feeling bad if you don't help someone one day so fine line to fine line to balance but I totally agree like it doesn't always have to be massive right like you might not be able to help someone with the biggest thing or you might not be the right person to help them but even that is helping them like the person I referred to you today like that's me helping them like I had a part to play you're going to have a bigger part to play but like they might not have got to you in that time had I not sent that email right it's a t- like it seems like a tiny thing but I think maybe drawing attention to it because I'm sure this person is doing a lot of these things already they're just not registering it love that love that okay question two how to support a 21 year old through mindfulness practices namely with her relationship with food and body image she gets the ick when i talk about mindfulness especially with tools like journaling or gratitude reframed as a reflection and intention but still a barrier she's making good progress but still a lot of suppression perfection and desire to control any help with direction much appreciated it's tough it's tough i definitely think you've done the right thing with like i had a barrier to journaling for ages but if you'd called it like a daily review or like something that's more like tangible and like productive, I probably would have been more engaged in it. And it and it doesn't really have to look any different. It's just like, here are three questions you're going to ask about your day to review your day, to try and make the next day better. Mm, totally agree. And I think really simplifying it. So you can, and, and, and saying like, you don't need to buy into this. Let's just do the minimum effective dose, right? So maybe when you have a shower, you're going to just, pay attention to what it feels like to wash your face like you're going to notice your hands the soap on your in your face you're going to smell the cleanser you're going to like hear what it sounds like in the shower like go through the senses right again not great at naming the five senses but like doing that it takes 30 seconds and you can say look you don't need to have a buy-in for it just want to commit I just want you to commit to it for five days um and then come back to me and start building up really slowly because I think that sometimes the barrier is like, I just don't believe in it. It's not tangible. And I've found this with some men that I've worked with, not all men, um, but with definitely with some men that I've worked with, I've, I, I've even felt uncomfortable suggesting it because I know that they don't have the buy-in. And then, I, and then I get a bit weird and I'm like, no, I know the science behind the stuff, but I feel like, oh, do you mind if you just do a little bit of journaling? And yeah, then- what's interesting is like, I so we don't normally get men that many men anyway sign up to commit six like of a hundred there might be like two or three but one signed up this time and it's quite like a macho guy and he was like oh this was like in like week two he's like journaling incredible I was like I'd never have thought that you would have been like yeah biggest thing journaling amazing that's so cool and I guess I guess like that's how it's framed like how you frame it and stuff as well um so I think I think part of it is like Rebecca like you're looking at like how you frame it like the words you use which sounds like like you like you said Emma you've done a great job on that but you feeling confident to try other things and not approaching it with caution but approaching it still consistently with confidence of let's like really condense it down and and then things like like meditation could look like okay well when you're in the gym you're not you're gonna have your phone on airplane mode and I want you to breathe through the lifts that you're doing. So if she goes to the gym, say, um, okay, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, you know how you breathe when you're do, like a personal trainer, right? And you encourage someone to breathe. Can you say to her, okay, I just want you to pay attention to how you're breathing every time you lift. That's it. 
and you're phone on airplane mode. So that 45 minute session, it's just you thinking about your breathing. You can listen to music if you want, but going through the motions of that. And it's something that she's already doing. And it's like, do you think that you can commit to that? And then just building it up like that way, because anything that's immersive is mindful realistically um and it's all going to still be training her to focus on what she's doing at that time the compassion side of it's going to be a little bit tougher because and that's going to be about breaking down like why is it what is it that you feel is so helpful to you when you are being self-critical and and perfect perfectionism like what do you feel are the benefits of these and having that discussion be like maybe even relate to yourself a bit like I know that I used to be like a perfectionist and I know that I used to think that it was driving me but as I've gotten older I've realized like that really wasn't the case and something I love about working like I work with all different ages but something I do really love about working with like early 20s mid 20s is that when they start to make progress I'm like you are 10 years ahead of where I was when I was your age and that is amazing and when people start to hear that stuff they're like that is great like not because I am on a pedestal, but just because they know that I've got the knowledge of it, right? So really celebrate and say, look, you're way ahead of the curve doing this journey. So I know that it can you can have a bit more resistance to it, but in a couple of years time, you're going to be 10 years ahead of everyone else. So let's just see what we can incorporate now. And I guess like from you as a coach, that takes the pressure off a bit as well. Like even the fact that she even knows what journaling is and that she's tried it a few times, so far ahead of anyone else her age right so even if she's not totally bought into it in the same way that your other clients have there's still a big win yeah what are your thoughts on creatine for menopausal clients a client asked me who went through the menopause at 38 she's now 51 very much into resistance training trains four times a week and loves it would it support muscle mass even with the changes in hormones post-menopause yes even more important kind of same with everything around menopause it's like is there any point resistance training if your muscles won't respond as well? Like, yeah, even more point resistance training. And like, yes, even more point taking creatine. There's also research to show it reduces brain fog as well. And then as we were saying at the start, there's research to show that taking a bit more um, would be useful. So uh, I think it was 0.07 grams per kilogram body weight which actually isn't that much more so on like if you're 60 kilograms that's 4.7 grams did that in my head did you just yeah, I just did it for myself earlier <laughs> hey, oh my god congratulations to you I know. no I literally can't do maths um but yeah definitely like 100 would be taking it spoke to mom tonight buzzing I took her to the gym two weeks ago and she's like I've been to the gym three times she can't go this week for real reasons um but she's like yeah I've been in three times and she's like I'm noticing I'm sore in different places and it's so good for me I'm like oh right okay so long explaining to me some moves that she got she had to do at yoga the other day I was trying my hardest to be like continue to be interested but you know and it's like this is the most <laughs> conversation I've ever had. She didn't actually show me it. She was just explaining it. Anyway, yeah. Oh, she's doing that. That's great. Yeah. I just, at talk at level up, I just kept sending my mum pictures. I was taking pictures and then to send oh, them. I'm sending the recording. I was like, to my dad, like, I'm sending you this recording. Yeah. Okay. Question four. Any strategies for those who connect with partners over food and that food doesn't make them feel good mentally and physically? It's a barrier, I know, but this client feels super uncomfortable with putting barriers in place with a husband of many years. I actually went through this with somebody recently the same sort of situation and 
actually when we talked it out she went oh that's what it's part of our thing it's like we make these like really indulgent like delicious meals and stuff and then when she started not doing it she was like I realized it's actually made no difference at all and actually it was just kind of a story that I had in my head of like that was just what we did but now we do something else and actually it's completely fine and I didn't have to do anything other than just all of our usual work and she was like well this is actually in line with what I want to do and I'm going to try different things um it yeah, I think that's a good point I think it, like before any of this before like pathologizing it you could just say do you want to try going for an evening walk instead because it might be fun to like go and feed the ducks in the evening and they might just be like yeah that sounds really fun and then you just do that and like that that yeah. could be as simple as it is yeah or like maybe it's that they have maybe it's just takeaway every week and actually is that is that really a problem it sounds like if they've brought it up it, it maybe it's right so can you swap the takeaway for like a home cooked well, I hate the phrase fake away right? take but, away. Yeah. Uh, but can, can you do that right but if it's regularly then then I would honestly just recommend like just try cooking something else and just see if there's even if there's even a big deal because I do get the food thing you sit at a table you have like it's maybe the, the only time you don't have your phones it's your time to connect but maybe ask her like what is it that you're getting from those moments with your partner R- make a list of all those things and then say okay well you having veggie sausages and parsnip fries instead of you know I don't know chips and whatever does that impact any of those things and then and then just try it if there's resistance from the partner then it's a case of like okay well it, do you feel comfortable communicating that in the sense of okay they don't like it what is it they don't like about it can you compromise because obviously in a relationship apparently it's about compromise and so I'm not saying like take away all of the things that 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 makes him happy but also give and take I'm saying him I actually don't know oh yeah his husband okay yeah okay hopefully that answered the question um Fabaruni, thank you everyone. Great, that was fantastic. Well done to us. Well done and great for thanks very much for the question, especially those of you that were at level up and that required brain power. So um, thank you so much. Bye. Just just before we leave, Kerry's saying that no, it is chives and that everyone should try it. So there we go. Okay, with your scrambled eggs. Yeah. Bye. Bye.